This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. Well, we've had not only the results of the Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton by-elections, uh, which the Conservatives uh, lost, the Tiverton and Honiton loss being particularly bad given the, the swing to the Lib Dems. And we've also had the resignation of Oliver Dowden as Conservative Party chairman uh, in a letter in which he said that somebody needed to take responsibility and that was him, although obviously the implication was that uh, somebody else might need to do that as well, and that the party could not continue with business as usual. James, this is a pretty devastating picture for Boris Johnson, uh, but he's safe because Tory MPs have already had their vote of no confidence in him. I don't think anyone's talking about changing the rules now. It would clearly look absurd to try and change the rules two weeks on. But what I think these results and Oliver Dowden's resignation make more likely is that when a new 922 executive is is elected before Parliament goes down for the summer, it will have a majority on it of MPs who are prepared to change the rules if the circumstances require it. And I think what is so quietly devastating about Oliver Dowden's resignation letter is that, you know, when you have a swing of almost 30% against you in Tiverton, which is kind of one of those seats that you would describe as, you know, part of Tory England performed, you know, part of a kind of Tory soul, you can't really think that the problem was the way in which CCHQ were organising the leaflet drops or the by-election tactics. It's clearly something more profound than that. And I mean, there's also something that you can see in the fact that the Labour Party, who was second in Tiverton in 2017, second in Tiverton in 2019, lost their deposit in Tiverton last night. That shows you that tactical voting, which is one of the things that made the Tory defeat in 1997 so bad, is coming back. And that 60% of the electorate that are on the left at the moment are essentially looking for whoever is most likely to defeat the Tory and voting for them. And that is devastating for the Tories. And the problem, as one, as even you know, one Boris Johnson Lawrence conceded to me, Uh, when we were chatting about this, is that at the moment, Boris Johnson motivates the anti-Tory vote more than he motivates the Tory vote. Katie, Boris Johnson has vowed to keep going this morning in his response from Rwanda. How much of a problem is it that the Prime Minister is not going to be back in the UK for another, I think it's seven days? So I think that those MPs already feel as though they are neglected by Downing Street and as though the Prime Minister is not focused enough on uh, domestic priorities. It's just going to play into that. And I think there's also a sense that, um, as you'll see, you know, pictures of Boris Johnson being at, you know, these nice dinners and he's kind of quite a grand setting. I think it can look as though you, uh, you are avoiding problems back at home. And we know from history that this often doesn't go well for you. I think, as James has just outlined, however, we're not. It would be surprising if you know people tried to do a rule change in the coming days. So it's more about slowly building up. And the fact that obviously Boris Johnson has had to take a call from Oliver Dowden this morning saying that he is going to resign from from his hotel far away, it does just mean I think that it's it's a bit harder to get a grip on things and get a true sense of where things are where you when you are thousands of miles away um, from your ministers and members of your party, and it can lean into those issues and make them worse. 
but ultimately Boris Johnson is going to have plenty of opportunities today to be quizzed on what's been happening back in the UK because he is at one of these summits so we're expecting you know, press conferences in the coming days and, and therefore the, it, he isn't really able to escape this or get much respite despite not being here. James, there had been in the run-up to these results uh, more rumours about a possible autumn election. I'd heard that that was the the number 10 plan uh, to try to move the the discourse on over this weekend was to sort of heavily brief that the party was getting ready for a September or October election. Is that now off the table? I think I don't think an autumn election was ever really on the table to to, to be frank. But talk of an autumn election. I think that, you know, Number 10, there are some people around Boris Johnson who think that the idea of suggesting, oh, you can't do anything now because you might be able to have an election, is a strategy. I really don't think it is in that incumbent parties do not go for an early election when they are behind in the polls by a considerable margin. It just it just doesn't happen. And it's just not credible for Boris Johnson to suggest he is going to go to the country when he is, according to one poll this morning, 11 points behind. So I think, that, you know, I, I know this is something that some of those around Boris Johnson like to talk up as a, as a prospect. I really don't think it is a realistic prospect. I think that one of their problems is what do they want to shift the message to? This again, I mean, it's something that's something that, that, that you the point that you've made as well, which is what are they? What is their message about what the purpose of this government is? Because that is normally what you do to kind of pivot back. And I mean, one of the things that is causing kind of Tory anxiety at the moment is that mid term unpopularity when people know why you're unpopular is one thing, you know, that you know, think back to the coalition, you know, they were trying to get the public finances under control, that involved difficult decisions. And you know, Tory MPs understood the uh, broadly understood why why they were unpopular and why it was worth sticking it out. This time round, the uh, why they are unpopular is is for a more mixed set of reasons. And it's not and also it's not kind of clear that it's not principally about something ideological the government is doing. I think what's been funny when you've been hearing MPs discussing this idea of how there could be an autumn election is effectively one of the responses I think when I've had it said to me is, well, what happens to Boris Johnson in his seat? Because under all the current predictions, Boris Johnson, um, you know, if we presume there wouldn't be a massive change in the polls during the election, Boris Johnson would be in a position where he would be at real risk of losing his own seat. And therefore actually if, if he if he waits until the boundary commission Boris Johnson's own seat gets much safer for him so I think it's another reason why I think there's a little bit of trying to you know uh, make people nervous move their gender on and, and so forth but it just doesn't stand up to you know much scrutiny when you actually think about the prime minister's own position. Now James Labour are obviously very happy that they have won Wakefield back but is this really a, a good result for Keir Starmer? I think the the Wakefield result is not a spectacular result for Labour in the way that Tiverton is a spectacular result for the Liberal Democrats, but I think it is it it is good enough to suggest that Labour are making some progress in those red wall seats that they would need to win back, and that Keir Starmer has put such an emphasis on winning back. But I think it's kind of on the margins, according to John Curtis, so, to whom we must all defer on on such festival. The word I cannot say, election-related matters. It's on, kind of on, on the cusp of whether it would be enough to suggest a Labour majority or a hung parliament. I still think that looking at these results, 
tonight that the, the, the most likely outcome of the next election still seems to be a hung parliament with an anti-Tory majority in it. And Katie, let's talk about the Lib Dems and that stunning result uh, that James mentioned. Obviously, Sir Ed Davey has been everywhere today celebrating the, the, the Lib Dems uh, moving back in the southwest. But how much of this is just about by-elections and about the Lib Dems regaining their position as the protest vote? Yeah, I think that's what makes it tricky in the sense it's clearly a trend in the sense that you look at Chesham and Amersham, you look at North Shropshire, you look at this result, and they each time, in a way, get more impressive in terms of the majorities they're overcoming. But at the end of the day, it is a by-election, and therefore turnout tends to be lower. And ultimately, it seems as though lots of Tory voters just aren't coming out to vote. Now, would they come out to vote in a general election? likely you'd have stronger opinions and it's not clear yet uh, which way they would go on that they may decide to begrudgingly vote for the Tory party um, if faced with the prospect of a Labour government you, you just you just don't know and I think that when we're trying to draw from that I think what we can say is that the Tories have a serious problem when it comes to the so-called blue wall and seats that uh, previously seemed very safe um, no longer seem so now I think that in the case of Tiverton and Honiton, that that was such a big majority. It was in, I think, you know, top 50 or so of the safe seats uh, for for the Tory party in terms of the other seats around that. So perhaps a seat like that in a general election would probably be okay. But think about all the ones with smaller majorities where the Liberal Democrats are the second party and you're going to start to get quite a few nervous MPs, some of whom are in cabinet, such as Dominic Rupp. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening. And I'm sure we'll be back with more Coffee House Shots podcasts later today. The Spectator Economic Innovator of the Year Awards, sponsored by Investec, are open for entries. If you are an entrepreneur-led business bringing radical change to its sector, please apply at www.spectator/innovator. We are looking for entries all across the UK and our closing date is the 4th of July.